Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a, sorry, perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come. Let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they say to him, Tell us, on whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. Who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for, for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Before we consider verse 3 to verse 6, let us uh, turn to God in prayer and ask for help. God, we thank you that we, we have your word before us this afternoon. We thank you that we are able to, to hear it. And we thank you because we are able to understand it. And all this by the power of your Holy Spirit. So this afternoon we pray that you would open our eyes, 
you would open our ears that you would open all the faculties that we need to be able to grasp the scriptures to be able to go home with a message grant O Lord that we would learn that we are right may learn its wisdom that we may turn from our sins that we may turn to Christ grant me um, much grace to communicate simply and clearly to the praise and glory of your name hear us Lord for we ask these things in Jesus name Amen titled my sermon this afternoon evangelism and the providence of God and this would be the first part evangelism and the providence of God we read there in verse 3 to verse 6 but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord but the Lord hurled a great a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up and the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and as and they, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep so the captain came and said to him what do you mean you sleeper arise call out to your God perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish so we've just considered verse 1 to verse, verse 2 last week we were able to see evangelism and the sovereignty the sovereignty of God and God is essentially sending Jonah into um, uh, 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 Nineveh so that he may proclaim his word there now Jonah will not go where God is sending him now it is it is said that the uh, the time is the, is the most precious commodity in the world because once time passes it has passed the way you use your time is very important because it stops for no man it is never at a standstill and so um, then if you are in the will of God it better be that you are in it now at this time because time stops for no man because if you are not in the will of God then you are living contrary to it you are either being conformed into the image of Christ or you are not and all this happens in time now time will not wait for Jonah God has sent Jonah God has given him a commission Jonah will not go God has given him his word he has given him work to do but Jonah as you're going to see this afternoon wants to run away he wants to flee I'd like you to see three things from this these verses that we have before us verse 3 to verse 6 number one Jonah's fleeing from verse 3 then number two God's hurling hurling of the wind from verse 4 and then number three the marina's fear from verse 5 to verse 6 number one 
Jonah's fleeing. Look with me there, verse 3. The Bible says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to, to, to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now we see there that Jonah wants to flee. And Jonah wants to run away from the presence of the Lord. Now when we read there that Jonah rose to flee from the presence of the Lord, we must ask ourselves, what does this mean? You see, Jonah, being a prophet of the Lord, knows who God is. He knows the attributes of God. Jonah knows that God is omnipresent. And so, it's not like when it, it says there that he's fleeing. It's as if Jonah is somehow hoping that he is able to flee from the presence of God while he knows that God is, is omni, omnipresent. So then he, he's not fleeing from God's omnipresence. And if he is, then he is terribly mistaken because God is everywhere. He was fleeing from the work that God was calling him to, uh, to do. Last week we were able to see that God gave him his word and God gave him a particular commission. Now, Jonah fleeing from the presence of God means that he is fleeing from the commission uh, that we saw last week. He is fleeing from the work that God is calling him to, uh, to, uh, to do. He was uh, um, fleeing from the work that God has clearly told him what, uh, what to do and how to do it. And so, when the Bible here says that Jonah rose and is fleeing from the presence of God, it means, it means that he is running away from God's call. Now, he is running from the presence of the Lord to, as it were, the farthest place that he will not feel God's presence. Sinclair Ferguson says here, quote, he was fleeing from the place of prayer and service. He was fleeing from the sphere of evangelism to which God was calling him. In his panic, he endeavored to go as far away as he could from that spot on the map where God had written the name Jonah. End quote. So, so Jonah is fleeing from the presence of God and he decides, I, I will go to Tarshish. Instead of going to Nineveh, as God is telling me, I will go to Tarshish. Um, now, Tarshish, just to give you a teeny tiny historical background, is what we call today Spain. It's, it's probably what is known as Spain today. Now, this running away from God, or this fleeing from the Lord, is futile. It is futile. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And I, I just like you to hear the thunders of God in, in these in this words, verse 1 to verse 12. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, 
you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. And lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about, about, me, uh, about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Now, Jonah uh, is, 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 is trying to do a futile thing. Because as we see in those verses, there is nowhere that we can hide from the presence of God. There is nowhere that we can go that God doesn't see us. Or that God cannot find us. Now, we, we, we see that it's, it's not like Jonah was fleeing from the omnipresence of God. Because even if he would want to, it's impossible. Because God is present everywhere. I'd like you to see that Jonah's fleeing from the presence of the Lord was at a great cost. He paid a literal price. It says there in verse 3 that uh, he went down to Joppa and found a sheep going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. He paid a literal cost. But even more, which, which is actually unfortunate, Jonah prefers Tashish to the presence of God where there is fullness of joy. Jonah is running away from the presence of God. Look with me again at the text in verse 3 there. It says, he went down to Joppa and found a sheep going to Tashish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tashish, away from the presence of the Lord. The providence of God can be seen all around the story of Jonah. And this is why we are, we are considering it under the title Evangelism and the Providence of God. Even though it probably was not the time for sailing in the Mediterranean, Jonah finds a ship going to Tarshish, as we are told there. In fact, Jonah does not only find a ship, he has fare to go to Tarshish. He has fare to travel and he pays the fare. And, and one would ask, how providential, how nice, you know. It seems as if it's, everything is working out. Jonah wants to run away and end up on stage, Martin and In fact, he has money to pay the fare. Oh, how providential Jonah uh, might have thought. He might have thought things were really working out and he can, he can just hide away from the will of God and everything will be okay. And we are going to see this later on because when he gets into the ship, he goes to sleep as if everything is okay. Now, uh, just to make an applicatory point here, sometimes when everything is going just right, you conclude that God's hand must be in it. The tendency with us is when things are working out, that we think that you know everything is okay. God's hand must be in it. But that, no, that may not be the case at all. 
you need something more specific than your circum- the circumstances around you working out. You need the confirmation of the word of God. Now realize that even though things seem as though they are working for Jonah, they're, 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 they're not quite working out the way that they should because Jonah is not submitting to the will of God, the word of God that he's received. Now you need the confirmation of the word of God for you to know that the providential circumstances that are finding you, uh, you're just okay, you're fine. How many times in your life have you gone against the teaching of the word of God? You know, because you, you just wanted what you wanted. Like Jonah. Now, beware of reading providential circumstances in a, in a way that contradicts the explicit commands of the Lord. If God has said something, we are not to misread providence. If it is providence for Jonah, it's, it's not providence because he's doing something very nice. It's providence against him, not providence for him, as he would be thinking, even going to sleep. Now, when you think about Jonah in, in light of the whole book, you may be tempted to think, what a fool Jonah was. You know, what a fool Jonah is to think that he can run away from God. You know, you may be tempted to think, I mean, look at the things that happened to him. How can Jonah, a prophet of the Lord, in fact, Jonah was not a false prophet. He was a true prophet of God. How can this true prophet of God think that he can just depart from the will of God and, and run away? This is the tendency with us. We, 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 you know, we, we, we think of Jonah and we, we don't think of ourselves. But unfortunately, you are constantly running away from God. You're, you're, you're constantly running away from the will of God. How many times do you, do you know what God requires of you like Jonah knew? And you will not do it. You will not submit to the will of God. You would rather go to Tashish, as it were. How many times does the word of God clearly speak, but you will not obey for, for whatever reason? And therefore being like Jonah. Now here, learn from the example of Jonah. That when we try to run from God, it is like a fish trying to jump out of water and still hoping to live. It's impossible. Learn from Jonah here that when we try to run from run away from God, it is like trying to live without oxygen, trying to exist without the air that God gives. It is futile. It is futile because it is in God that we live, move, and have our being. And Jonah wants to uh, he wants to brush off that thought. You know, those that have God as their God cannot run from Him. My dear friends, we cannot run from the will of God. Unfortunately, many times God reveals Himself to us clearly. But we, we want our own way. We want our own will. We have our own plans like Jonah had. Those whom God has as His, He will never let them stray. Although they have the capacity to, for a time, run from him, like Jonah, 
God will not let them have their way. He will not. God is a good, good father. I beseech you, brethren, that in whatever area that you are running from God, in whatever area of your life that you are uh, 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 avoiding the will of God like Jonah was, stop. Stop running from the will of God because you will fail terribly. You may fail like Jonah failed or even worse. Because who knows what God has in plan, in store for you. We know what God had in store for Jonah, but who knows what God had in, has in store for you. So stop, 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 stop running from the will of God, please. Now, just before we move to the next verse, consider here the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our greatest example, whom the Bible describes as the greater Jonah. He obeys God perfectly, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says that his food, his food, is to do the will of his father, right? As opposed to Jonah, Christ is not running from the will of God. Christ is running towards the will of God. He is going to accomplish the purposes for which God is sending him. And it is him that we should emulate. If you're here this afternoon and you're a Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest for us. He is the best for us. He is the gift of gifts, all other gifts in one. Because he, unlike Jonah, is not running away from the will of God. In fact, he is running head on. He is approaching head on the will of God to do it, to eat it, to accomplish it for the glory of God. Now, as, as we are learning from Jonah, we are also learning from Christ. As we are learning not to be like Jonah, we are also learning be like Christ, serve like Christ, live like Christ, follow the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the greater than Jonah. And so we see there Jonah's fleeing. And then number, number two, see God's howling. Howling of the great wind. Verse 4. Look with me at verse 4. But the Lord howled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the sheep threatened to break up. Now, as we are considering evangelism and the providence of God, as I've told you, pro the providence of God is seen all, all, all across this story of, of Jonah. In, in this entire story, we see the providence of God. You know, the providence of God is seen in God's howling of the wind. God is preserving all his creatures and all their actions. And therefore God, the Bible tells us, he's the one that howls this great wind. God in his, uh, in his providence was targeting Jonah. We know that, of course, because we, we, we see it from, from the story. God is looking for Jonah. Jonah is not going to have his way. Jonah must accomplish the will of God. And God is looking for him. In his providence, God is, is targeting Jonah. 
why, why does Jonathan think that he can run away from God? You know, God is the maker of all things and he is able to command the winds and the waves and they obey him. When we think about God, we should think about one who can never, never fail. You know, when he intends to accomplish something, it must be accomplished because the purposes of God cannot fail. You know, Job, Job therefore, in the end, in the end of his book, Job chapter 42 verse 2, exclaims that I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. When God in, intends to do something, it must be done. It must be accomplished. The man Jonah has no chance against God. He cannot possibly escape God. God in his nature, you know, in his, in his natural uh, 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 creations, as it were, <clears throat> is saying, there is no place you can hide from me. Jo uh, God is telling Jonah, you cannot hide from me. It's not only that I am everywhere, it's also that I am, uh, I am the God of providence. I am the one who governs all my creatures and all their actions. I am able to hurl a great wind, bring a great storm and stop you where you're going. So God in, in his natural creation is as it were telling Jonah, you cannot hide from me. God has at his disposal all the forces of the universe. Everything that God has created works for him. Creation testifies the glory of God. Creation bows before God. And so he has a, at his disposal every force in the universe. And in his sovereignty, he is able to command them to do his bidding. And this is what we see here in verse 4. Now do not be deceived, my dear brethren. God has the whole world in his hands. Isn't that what we sing? Or we sung in Sunday school? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands because he is sovereign and he's the God of providence. And therefore God in his providence governs every of his creatures, all of their actions for the ends of his glory. And this is what we see him doing in his natural creation. He has this great wind. He, he, he is, as it were, telling Jonah, stop where you are. You cannot go. Unfortunately, Jonah is asleep. He's not even aware that God is stopping him in his way. His conscience is asleep. He, his ears are closed. He's not going to hear the word of God. See with me there, number three, the marina's fear. The marina's fears. Verse 5. Verse 5 to verse 6. <clears throat> verse 5 says, The mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah, Jonah, where is Jonah? Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship. And had lain down and was fast asleep. Now, when you think about unbelievers, the text before us will, will not sound will, will not sound strange at all. 
And this is because unbelievers are particularly fearful of what nature can do. When unbelievers are faced with this uh, natural phenomena, they, 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 they become afraid. It is not only this, but unbelievers are idolaters, as you see from that text. They have made for themselves gods that they would be crying to when they need to. And hence, each of the marina, the text tells us there in verse 5, cried out to his God. Of course, they were idolaters. And in the providence of God, even though Jonah is thinking that uh, this, this providence is working out for me, God is actually intending to save the marinas. God is working out for the good of others, even when we intend evil. Even when we, when we stray away from the path, God has other plans. And God in His providence works out everything. And so we see here, at these marinas in the idolatry, um, <clears throat> we, we see the providence of God when we think that in the end, they are left worshipping God. Now look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They are left, they are left worshipping God. Uh, God out of uh, Jonah's uh, unfaithfulness and disobedience saves the mariners. He grants them that they fear the Lord and they worship Him by offering sacrifices to Him. And there's a point that I made last week which I'd like to remind you <clears throat> that dear brother, dear sister, fruitfulness of your life for God is not a guarantee of your closeness to God. Fruitfulness in your life as a Christian is not a guarantee that you are close to God. It does not mean that you are in the will of God. Your usefulness in the kingdom of God does not always equals walking with God. And this is what we see in this example for Jonah. Even though Jonah is running away to Tashish, there is fruit out of that evil ministry so to call it God God saves the marinas God grants that the marinas bow down before him even though Jonah is directly opposing and going against the will of God it is not always that you are in the will of God because there is fruitfulness uh, for God in you God is able to use even donkeys. Leave alone sinful men for his uh, glorious ends. There's a man by the name John Newton. Listen to what he says on this point. He says, quote, Beware, my friend, of mistaking the ready exercise of gifts for the exercise of grace. The minister may be assisted in public for the sake of his hearers. And there is something in the nature of our public work when surrounded by a concourse of people that is suited to draw, uh, to draw forth the exertion of our abilities. 
and to engage our attention in outward services when the frame of the heart may be far from right in the sight of the Lord. When Moses smote the rock, the water flowed, yet he spoke unadvisedly with his lips and greatly displeased the Lord. End quote. We are not always in the will of God because there is fruitfulness for God in our lives. And this is what we see in the life of Jonah. No matter what our gifts are, my dear friends, we may find ourselves in Jonah's position. God may be pleased to use us for his glory, even when our hearts may not, as it were, be in tune with him. And, and, and this is such a great warning to those of us who stand before others to proclaim the truth. Beware, brothers and sisters, of mistaking usefulness to God for communion with Him. Jonah is sinning, but God is still using him. God is still using his situation to save others. Notice that Jonah's sin was private. No one knew about, about, about his sin other than himself and God. And since the mariners were not aware of Jonah's sin, they, they take their cargo, they, they hauled their, uh, the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. You see, uh, n- n- nonetheless, even though his sin was, 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 he was, was, not, um, it was not known to these mariners, his action had terrible consequences for these for this mariners, these sailors, as well as for himself. They would now lose their cargo and their lives were now in danger. And this is because of Jonah. This is because of his actions. God has offered Jonah the privilege of blessing the great city of Nineveh with his word. But who is Jonah? <laughs> Jonah is going to run away. Jonah is going to run away and become a curse to other people. I'm not sure you're able to see how God's providence is intertwined in this story of Jonah. While in God's providence, God is saving the mariners, at the same time in God's providence, Jonah is becoming a curse to these people. Their lives are in danger. Their cargo is now lost. See here that... If, if you're walking contrary to the will of God, my dear brethren, you will inevit- inevitably bring trouble to the lives of others. Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not. If you're not walking faithfully with the Lord, you will bring trouble in the lives of others. As well as your own life. When you disobey God, it does not only affect you, but also others who may be around you. So let us beware, dear brethren, to live in the will of God. That where He sends, we will go. What He says, we will do. Because when we don't, there's a possibility that we are going to affect not only ourselves, but those that are around us. The mariners are afraid because of the sin of Jonah, even though they are not aware of it. They are afraid for their lives. Dear brethren, the call here is for you to give yourself to the will of God, to do it, to follow God, and not to bring trouble to unsuspecting neighbors, unsuspecting friends, unsuspecting family members, unsuspecting church members. 
The call for you here is to do the will of God. To follow God faithfully. To submit to the will of God. To submit to the word of God. The text tells us there in verse 5 that while others were, were in trouble up there, Jonah was fast asleep down there. It says, But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. What a, what a peaceful scene hmm? we are prone to think. Jonah, Jonah Kotusao. Now, Opalma Robertson says here that Jonah is snoring so loudly that he can't even hear the raging of the wind on the deck above. The trip to Joppa had totally worn him out. You know, the evident providential goodness of the Lord had put his mind completely at rest. Jonah was safe. He was, he was a Tashish bound. Um, his people were safe. And he could forget all about the threat of Assyria against Israel. That's what Palmer Robertson says. Now, according to Jonah, every, everything was working out fine. And this is why he's able, to, he's able to sleep. You know, Jonah had peace in his heart and therefore slept soundly. He felt as though everything was okay. Jonah was not only literally dreaming for he was asleep, but he was unrealistically dreaming that he could run away from God and all would be okay and peaceful. My dear friends, Jonah was in such a bad state that his conscience could allow him to sleep. Jonah was in such a bad state that the word of God could not trouble him or even awaken him. Jonah was in such a bad place that God in his providence could not awaken him through the fierce storm. See here that the mariners are afraid, but Jonah is asleep. That's how bad his state was. That's how unwilling he was to do the will of God. Are you willing to obey God? Are you willing to follow God? Or are you like Jonah, completely unwilling to follow God so that even the will of God revealed to you cannot wake you from the fierce storm? Jonah was truly in a bad state. You know, pagans are awake, afraid of the providences of God. Jonah is asleep. Does this describe you? When the providences of God are scaring even unbelievers, would you be described as one being fast asleep? Not being mindful of what God has in store for you, what His will is for your life. Jonah was in such a bad place that he had to be awakened by a pagan before he could hear the threatenings of, of God. I'd like you to see here <clears throat> that Jonah felt as if everything was okay. You know, he goes to the um, <clears throat> stage, as it were, 
boards the ship, pays the fare, gets in the ship, goes down there and sleeps. He feels like everything is okay. Jonah overplays the significance of his feelings. Beware, my dear friends, of overplaying the significance of your feelings. Something is not right simply because it feels right. It felt right for Jonah. Nothing was going on wrong, so much so that he was able to sleep. But the truth is, it's not always right because it feels right. When Herod is taking his brother's wife, he feels just fine. He feels like everything is okay and thinks that nothing is wrong until he meets John the Baptist. Ahab wants to steal someone else's vineyard. You know, it feels good after taking Naboth's vineyard until he meets the prophet Elijah himself. King Saul thinks he's doing, doing the Lord's bidding when offering the sacrifices before battle. He thinks he's okay. He feels he's, he's fine. In fact, he feels as though he's serving God until he meets Samuel. Our feelings do not determine whether something is the will of God or not. I'm sure you probably have heard people say, I, I just didn't feel as if the Lord wanted me to do this. You know? Or I, I didn't have peace um, in that matter, so I, I didn't do it because it, it didn't feel right for me. And the entire decision-making process is based upon how one felt. This should not be the case, my, my dear brethren. For you with a spouse, it might, it might sound like, I really don't feel my wife, you know. The wife may say, I really don't feel my husband anymore. And this becomes a cover-up for, for adultery. You know, for you with classes, you know, you are at school. You may say, I, I, really don't, I really don't feel like going to class. And this, this acts as a cover-up for irresponsibility and laziness. Jonah might, as, uh, might, might have as well said, I don't feel like going to, to Nineveh. Jonah thought that everything was okay, so much so that he was snoring down there in the ship. He had plenty of peace. He was sleeping like a baby. But everything was not okay. At the very time when he was running from the will of God, he had great peace. Which is a terrible place to be in. Having peace when you're running away from the will of God is such a bad state to be in. Beware of appeals to inner peace. I, I feel so peaceful about this. It feels so peaceful, you know. Beware of, of, of such sentiments. Pay attention to the word of God. Reverently and attentively hear the word of God. Reverently and submissively hear the word of God. Hear what the word of God teaches. And the word of God should be your guide to life, not your feelings. Not, not whether you are uh, uh, rightly interpreting providences. No, no. Listen to the word of God. 
you know, Isaiah says of God that you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. When we are following the will of God, that is when perfect peace comes. Uh, this other thing that Jonah is experiencing when he's sleeping down, down there in the ship is not peace. While the marinas are fearing, they are afraid. What is happening to us? Jonah is at a very bad place. Now there is a godly peace and there is one that comes out of self-deception. Out of a conscience that is asleep. You know? Is your conscience awake or is it asleep? Are you avoiding the will of God and being peaceful at the same time like Jonah? If you are, you are in great trouble. The New Testament tells us of one who is greater than Jonah. Again, Jesus Christ is the greater than who also slept in the boat in the midst of a storm. Jesus, like Jonah, slept so soundly despite the storm on the Sea of Galilee. But unlike Jonah, it was not because he was running away from the will of God. It was not because he was running from God. It was not out of a sheer desire that the will of God would not happen. It was not that he was closing his ears rebelliously from hearing what God's will is. No. Unlike Jonah, Jesus Christ laid there in the boat peacefully knowing that his food is to do the will of his father. Walking in the will of God grants that we, we are a blessing to the world like Jesus was rather than, rather than bringing trouble to the world like Jonah did. Jesus Christ is our, our best example that we can look to him and we can know what it means to follow the will of God. Now, I'd like you to see here that Abraham is described as the father of faith. But in, in, with all his faith, Abraham makes petty lies so that he may escape being murdered. David. David is described as a man after God's own heart. But David has sexual desires which bring him down. How about Solomon, the greatest, uh, 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 um, wisest king? He goes away from the will of God. Even though he builds a temple for the Lord. How about Samson, the strongest? One of the judges in Israel. God chooses him, places his spirit upon him. But what does he do? He goes and gets the foreign women. And we could go on and on. How about Peter? One could, could argue uh, 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 one of the closest apostles, disciples of Christ. But he denies Jesus. The Bible has this tendency to bring us characters who seem to be great. Only to bring them down so that they may lift the Lord Jesus Christ up. Jonah is the same. Jonah is such a, a prophet of God. He has this word of the Lord that he takes to the Israelites, as we saw last week. But the word of God brings him down here to show us 
and there is one that is greater than him. Finally, look with me there at verse 6. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean? Oh, you sleeper, arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Again, instead of Jonah being awakened by his conscience, instead of Jonah being awakened by the threatening providence of God, it is this pagan captain that wakes him. How unfortunate, how sad it is. You know, sometimes it takes wicked, godless people for us to be awakened to the realities of God's providences. It's a sad thing. You know, this should not be the case. We are to be seeking the will of the Lord always. And we are to be sensitive to the promptings of, of God's providence. You know, the promptings of God as opposed to those of the wicked people. As opposed to being woken up by wicked men, we should be Christians who are woken up by God himself. But, but, but not Jonah. Notice there with me that as the captain is waking Jonah, he gives him almost similar words to those that God gave Jonah in verse 2. He says, Arise. Verse 6. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise. Call out. Now look at verse 2. Some similar words to those in verse 2 are used there. We read there in verse 2. Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out. These words must have run in, in Jonah's ears like a song on Ripley. Arise, call out. Arise, call out. They would be exposing his guilt for rebelliously uh, um, uh, uh, disobeying God. God in his providence had now uh, sent a heathen to remind him his duties. God has sent a, a, a wicked man to remind him his duties. And the captain speaks to him with much astonishment. He says there, What do you mean, you sleeper? What are you doing? The captain is asking, is asking Jonah, What are you doing? You know, the wicked man, the sinful man, the heathen will recognize the reality of God when the going gets rough and tough. How much more we who are in Christ. How much more we who have been saved by Christ. How much more we who are the people of God. The wicked man will recognize the reality of God when the going gets rough and the Lord ensures this, especially that he may turn the heart of sinners to himself. And this is what we see him doing for this, you know, unbelieving sailors. They later on fall on their knees. They pay homage to God. God uses this, uh, uh, this trouble for the unbelievers to awaken this, uh, this wicked man so that they may come to him, so they may bend their knee to him. And we're going to see what transpires there next week how Jonah is thrown into the sea, how the sailors are even kind to Jonah. They don't want to throw him out. 
they want to they want to uh, steer the the sheep to dry ground but god has other plans my dear friends we ought to be in the will of god we ought to be in the word of god so that we may know the will of god the will of god for us is not hidden it's clear god has rightly stipulated it in his word god has put it in in uh, uh, words written in ink god has used men carried along by the holy spirit to convey to us his will and the question for you is will you obey god My dear friends, God is evangelistic. We should never lose sight of the fact that God is the owner of the gospel. It belongs to him, and that is the means by which men are saved. God reaches out even to the heathen sailors. This pagan mariners it, do, it doesn't need to be in a great storm for you to evangelize now look at the life around you identify the providences of god and worship god for them look at the life around you and Don't misinterpret God's providences. Don't think that because everything is working out well that God is with you. Please examine your heart to know whether you are in the will of God. And then notice that God is merciful. God might have might have as well killed Jonah on his way to Tarshish. But he's merciful. God sends the sailor the the heathen captain to wake him up. God might have as well said Jonah is not going to follow my will. Jonah is not even hearing my providential threatenings through the storm. Away with him. But that's not what God does. God allows Jonah to wake up. To wake up to the realization that he's not in the will of God. We're going to consider that more next week. think about these things may the lord bless you as you meditate upon his word let's pray father we thank you for your goodness to us in saving us in your own providences lord you saved us like you did the mariners it may as well be that there are christians who are not following your will and in one way or another we became christians It may as well be that there are Christians who are following your will and we heard the gospel and were converted. Nonetheless, you work in your providences to preserve and govern all your creatures and all their actions. And in your providence, Lord, we were able to to hear your word and and were saved. We thank you for for this this story of Jonah 
is pointing us to the greater than Jonah. Pointing us to Christ. To see how he, as opposed to Jonah, he was running towards the will of God. Wanting to do your will. So that we who are sinners may be saved. We pray that you would help us as we meditate upon these things this week. Grant that we would be helped to turn our eyes upon Jesus. To look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Hear our prayers, Lord, for we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.